Before the next episode of XJob Downloaded starts, I have a big favour to ask. If you've enjoyed any of our episodes so far, please can you click on the follow button on your platform. I'm on Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon and YouTube. It costs nothing to follow, but makes a real difference to me as a podcast producer. Thank you. This interview is being tape recorded. My name is Paul Maleri and this is XJob Downloaded. And today I'm going to interview Gary Jackets. Now, Gary is a former police officer. He's a comedian. He's now gone back to a form of law enforcement. He runs the, the comedy club down in Chalkwell, all the different things that he's doing. Um, and I think he's going to be a great guest today. So welcome to the podcast. Morning, sir. How are you? And um, Right, so before we go any further... I, I'm terrible. If I meet one of my old school teachers, I still call them sir. And when I meet someone from the job that was uh, had pips or no. more than stripes, Stop I still it. call them sir. No, please don't. <laughs> because I tell you what, I had that the other day in Tesco's and, and, and I was like, listen, I haven't been anybody's boss for a very, very long time. No, I mean, uh, uh, once you get to know them, it's always boss or gov, isn't it? It's not sir. Yeah, 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 yeah. But it's, oh my God. Gary, thank you for seeing me today. But where did it all begin for Gary Jackets? What was what did you do before, and what was the inspiration to join the old Bill? Right. So first things first. Um, I'm not a comedian, right? Uh, let's get that right. I don't. I do MCing occasionally, but I'm definitely not a comedian. Well, I think you're funny. I, I, I think. Well, I think I'm funny. Uh, my missus doesn't like my jokes. <laughs> she says I'm not funny. This is they're repetitive, and boring, and they're usually someone else's. Um, <laughs> Right, well, where do we start? Um, I left school in, what, 84? Yeah, 83, 84. And like most people in South End, the big employee in the town, um, if you weren't um, in the like um, um, a manual job, was what was called the Joint Credit Card Company. Oh, yeah, um, Access. Uh, so Access, basically, or MasterCard. Everyone of a certain age worked in... Um, uh, the, the banking world in South End, and ironically, quite a few old people that end up being in the old bill. You might even know them, uh, Graham Dye. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure if I met him there or uh, as a barman at zero six. Uh, Graham Moore. Yes. Um, yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. They they're all from that sort of era. Um, I must admit, it, it was it was great fun, uh, but I didn't enjoy it. Um, uh, I ended up getting a part-time job in a, a pub in South End called The Bell. Um, it was at, uh, I don't I don't know if you, how well you know South End. Fairly. It's on the corner of Prince Avenue. I think it's a um, um, Toby Carvery now, um, but it was a bear pit. It was an absolute Excellent. bear pit. There was there was two bars. There was a public bar and a saloon bar, and you didn't walk in the saloon bar, and and it was one of those places where the door opened. And 20 people would turn around and look at you. Um, and it was run by um, a guy called George. Um, and, and obviously his wife's nickname was the Dragon. Um, <laughs> and, 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 and my, my, my very, one of my very first experiences was, um, I, I'll never forget, it, it was a boxing day. And um, uh, there was a, a barroom brawl, but it was a prill proper cowboy western. western 
chairs flying backwards and forwards. It was brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, and um, from there I um, I, I decided to leave the, um, the banking world and I got a job <laughs> as a trainee assistant manager in what was the Silver Jubilee in Eastwood. Oh, I think it's a Miller and Carter now. Right. Um, and I just worked my way up and before I knew it, I was running... Um, uh, and I'm going to throw some names at you. Some people in the policing world are going to know. I ended up running uh, Churchill's in Leon C, um, yep. which then became Bellini's, and then I think it's now called the Oakley. Um, and that's when I first became across uh, a gentleman by the name of Paul Bates. <laughs> oh, well, that's it. We're stopping the interview now. Yeah, I'm. I can't remember how many times he got banned. Yeah, I can um, imagine. I think the best one was the um, uh, the trifle and blancmange fight in the middle of a buffet. Him and Andy Fuchsia together. I'll tell you what, what a pair of nightmares they are. Yeah, so that's when I first came across them. Um, I then um, I, I worked, um, I ran a few places in Southend, um, and then I ended up um, working for a company in... Um, uh, based in Romford, um, and I was in charge of um, all the, all that their bar operations, um, and uh, and that's where I I had the um, the very small involvement in the um, uh, Tony Tucker um, story. Do you, do you know, I saw your name the other day on a social media feed, and. Somebody has got hold of the statement that you made because we're right on the anniversary of of the murder, aren't we? Yeah. I mean, it's yeah, yeah, yeah. Eighteen years ago? No, twenty eight years ago. That's more. Yeah, twenty eight years be. ago. Must be something like that. Yeah, and um, your statement was was put into a feed, and it drives me mad. These conspiracy theorists who read too much into what they don't know. They've got haven't got a clue. Honestly, it's it, it's never ending. I, I probably get, I don't know, three, maybe four emails, phone calls, messages um, a year from production companies asking for me to tell them things. Well, I, mate, I don't. All I did was take a restaurant booking. Um, you took a restaurant and, booking the night and they, before they didn't. They the night before they got murdered, or the night they got murdered. You took a, a, a restaurant booking. Yeah. So. Um, um, the company owned uh, a chain of nightclubs and a chain of bars. I ran the chain of bars stroke restaurants. Um, and my office, uh, and I was based at the one in Romford, which was around the corner from Hollywoods, where um, uh, Tony Tucker's firm uh, run the doors. So quite often they'd come into my restaurant before before um, the club opened and have dinner. Um, uh, and that was it. So they'd ring me up, Tony would ring up, and say, you know, I'll get out, can I have a table for four, please? And that'd be it. And I think it was a couple of nights before um, the incident, They um, uh, he rung me up, booked a table, and then the next day he rang up again, and, and I think he extended the booking. Um, the night of the incident, I was uh, in London at watching Tim Vine, um, oh, wow. a comedy show. Yeah. Um, and um, I can remember it because it, it, it had been snowing. And uh, I came out of the um, uh, um, came out of the show, uh, and someone rang me and said, "Did you hear what happened yesterday?" I said, "No, what happened yesterday?" And that's when someone told me. Um, 
uh, and that was it. Uh, police came down, took a statement. I, I never heard a single thing since, um, except for I get all these random people ask me to do TV interviews. I'm like, well, what do you want me to tell you? I can tell you in five seconds. And and then, as you say, someone the other day was accusing me of being um, in collusion with the police, um, fabricating a statement. But they're deluded. Mate, there, there are former police officers that are trying to reinvestigate this, and one of them has gone on record as saying that my wife, who works for us, for X job, that my wife works for a person who used to handle somebody as an informant. My missus, my missus has only worked for us. She worked at Stansted Airport before that. They, and then they, and then they start saying, oh, yeah, well, of course, he said me. I said that um, we handled Darren Nichols in our office. Well, Darren Nichols, at that time, informants were handled by people within the office. That's all I, all I said. All of a sudden, he's my best mate. And the, the, the classic one is that I said that I'd joined the army or that I'd been in the army. I never, never, ever, ever said I'd been in the army. And... There's a chap called Bernard O'Mahony who features in all of these. I've spoken to him twice in my entire life on the phone, and that's since I've done the done the recent film, um, Blood and Betrayal. That's the only time I've never met him. I've never met him, but all of a sudden he's my best buddy, and I'm like, I'm get. I'll be honest with you, Gary. I'm getting to a point where I've I've got legal advice now because if it carries on. I'm just going to put a letter into them and tell them to stop because, and I hope they're listening to this because it it does drive you mad, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, it's crazy. I mean, it I, I'm, be I'm amazed how obsessed some people are by it. And um, um, but people who have got no idea whatsoever what they're talking about, they had nothing to do with any of it at the time. The other one was that I said that I'd been involved in the investigation. No, I was investigated because when. Dave Bright carried out his investigation in Braintree. Everybody that served at Braintree Police Station was investigated because of the because of the alleged corruption that was taking place there with um, with police officers. But nobody ever got found guilty of any discipline offences or, more importantly, any criminal charges. <laughs> Yet they'll go down this the old bill bent. And I'm going to rant a little bit more. The police officer that's trying to do this um, duplicitous investigation has got two members of staff that work for him. One was sacked from the police for selling police equipment and the other one left the police because he was fiddling his timesheet. And he's the bloke who's been giving out everybody's telephone numbers. I know that mates of mine have had phone calls on the back of the information that he's provided to other people. I know who you're talking about as well. Yeah. I worked with him. I worked with him. Yeah. Honestly, mate, no names, no pack drills, but hopefully they'll pick up the vibes out of this. So that fateful night, you're, you've seen Tim Vine, the brilliant Tim Vine, Jeremy's brother, and he is hilarious, I've got to say. His one-liners yeah. are absolutely superb. And then you discover that these three Herberts have been murdered in the back of a Range Rover. Yeah. But there we go. And that's it. That is it. So, so after you've done that and you've made your statement, you decide to join the police. Oh no, you've done other things in the. <laughs> well, no, I mean, um, 
a lot of people in the leisure industry don't stay in places that long, to be quite honest. Uh, and then I got um, headhunted by um, uh, um, one of the recruitment agencies to join a company called Regents in PLC. Um, and honestly, um, if I was to pick two things in my life that I'd want to do, um, it would be to run a live music and comedy venue. Um, and I became the general manager of Jonglers. Um, oh, did and, you? And Dingwalls in Camden. Wow. Exactly. Wow. Um, I was. I used it, to go to Dingwalls. I've been yeah, to Jonglers so, as well. Yeah. So um, uh, comedy and music, two of my loves. Um, so I got to meet some very um, strange people and some amazing people and just some real random things. Um you know, I walk out the front door of my venue at three o'clock in the morning after everyone's gone home, and um, uh, oh god, blimey! So I, what, what, I can't remember which one of them it was now. It was one of the Gallagher brothers, and um, uh, all weller rolling around the floor, um, shit faced drunk. Um, they're best mates, but they're rolling around the floor, hugging each other. You know, when someone's so drunk, oh, I love, oh, love you, man. Uh, I wish in those days we had cameras, camera phones. Um, yeah, I got to see some great bands, uh, got to meet some amazing people in the comedy world. Um, and off the back of that, um, I, um, uh, a friend of mine, Colin Dench, um, back in 1984, he started, um, was it 84? No, sorry, 1986, he started, uh, the Joker Comedy Club. In South End, it was in the basement of the uh, Maritime of the Cliffs Pavilion. Yes, uh, and back in those days, it was probably one of the very, very few places that was open past eleven o'clock at night, uh, and probably one of only I don't know half a dozen alternative stand-up comedy clubs outside of Central London or Manchester. Um, uh, the lineup for the first show was uh, Lee Evans compare. Um, a juggler called Steve Rawlings, who's still about. Uh, Bob Mills, again, who's still about. Yeah. Um, uh, I still see Bob quite a lot. Um, he lives in just down the road from me. And um, bizarrely, I own a house in northern Cyprus, uh, and, and so does he, just right. down the road. Um, so, yeah, so the lineup was Lee Evans, Bob Mills, Steve Rawlings, the juggler, and Frank Skinner. Wow. Yeah. Um, uh, and, and back in those days, comedy was really raw. Um, you know, heckling was the in thing. Yeah. Um, and it was like a bear pit. In um, If you re- read Bill Bailey's um, uh, autobiography, it mentions it um, quite a bit. And it was Bill Bailey's first ever appear- um, appearance as a, um, uh, a solo act. It used to be in a double act called the Rubber Bishops. Oh, yeah. uh, uh, but on this particular night, the other bishop didn't turn up. Yeah. <laughs> um, so Colin made him go on stage and, and, and do it on his own. Uh, and now he's a megastar. Never look back. Yeah, but nicely, whenever he plays the Cliss Pavilion, the big room upstairs, he still mentions the Joker Club. Brilliant. Um, so, yeah, I knew Colin already. Um, after a few years, he was getting fed up of... Um, doing the shows. Um, I used to run it with a guy called Martin Treneman. Um, you, you probably don't recognise Martin's no. name, but he was um, 
he's one of the characters in The Inbetweeners. Oh, really? Yeah, he plays one of the dads of um, uh, one of the boys. Um, and he's also got um, a really good uh, TV, uh, sorry, um, a show um, on, I think it's on Welsh TV, where he plays a copper. Um, and he's always on TV adverts. He's done, he's done loads of things. But, um, so him and Colin used to run the Joker Club. Um, Colin was getting fed up with it because he was doing some other bits and pieces. And, and so I took it off him. Wow. Um, so I've been running shows in... We, we stayed at the Cliff Pavilion until about oh, 2000 and... I think it was about 2010. And then we moved to the Park Rooms. So it's been going, what, 30, 38 years now? 37 years? Fantastic. Um, uh, you name an act in this country, I'd struggle to find someone who hasn't played there. And you've got Phil uh, Jupiter lives up the road from you, doesn't he? He's, he's a... Well, he used to. Oh, right. Um, now he's not there anymore. But quite a few acts um, live in and around South End purely because it's just so expensive in London now. And, of course, you've got Richard Osman who lives in your neck of the woods or he used to live in your neck of the woods. Yeah, I'm not sure if he still does. Another funny man who's, who's a great author. He's written some really good murder books. I don't know where they get their inspiration from for these for these murder books, but... Uh, yeah, he's another funny guy. Huge. Yeah, so um, uh, that was started my world in comedy, and and there's not many people that um, I've not I've not worked with now. Um, it, it does get frustrating sometimes because you see them going up the career path, um, and uh, I'm I'm at the bottom somewhere, and then they go up and up and up, and uh, trying to get them back. But you got uh, Lee Hurst there, aren't you, in the new year? One of the funniest things I've ever seen him do was um, he, he, he lives in East London, spitting distance away from Canary Wharf. Um, and the night of the Canary Wharf bombings, um, I, had a sh- I, I had a show. Right. I can't remember what year that was now. Um, but anyway, his show that night at my venue was all about that day's bombing. Um, the whole 40 minutes, just like that. Wow. Very clever man. I mean, there are, and I, I went to the comedy store and I saw Jack D. In fact, there was Jack D, Joe Brand, and um, Lee Evans, who's another Essex boy, and he's a Billericay. Yeah. And um, there'd been a shooting in Colchester where uh, a guy had gone into a gun shop, and I know I knew both parties. I know the guy, the guy that actually shot the robber, is a really good friend of mine. And I knew the robber because of, you know, policing. And he did like five minutes of of telling jokes about how stupid is it to walk into a gun shop and do a robbery, you know. <laughs> just, he, but, yeah, yeah, Joe Brand as well. I, I'm yeah. sure the comedy store still have the big names there. Yeah, they do. Um, uh, and sometimes they just appear. Um, they'll go there as a customer and, and Don Ward, the owner, will get them on stage. But, yeah, that no, happens quite a lot. I, I was saying earlier on, we, we've seen Ian Moore there a few times. Who's another another good murder author, um, and he's into the mod stuff. And yeah, we've seen him at the comedy store. I haven't been there for a while. I'll have to come down to um, down to Chalkwell though. Well, uh, um, uh, have you heard of an act called Terry Alderton? Yes. Okay. Well, um, Terry, um, his uh, very first performance on a, on a stage of any description was for us. Um, and he, he, he's, we've become good buddies now. 
um, and he's going to have a go at me when I tell him when I tell you I can't remember what year it was, but it's a good I don't know 20 25 years maybe longer years ago, um, and yeah we, we, we've stayed friends ever since because we're both Southend United fans, you so are. we go to football together, um, and he's headlining my Christmas show um, this Sunday. Right. Um, well, we'll, we'll get something out in a minute. I'll do, I'll do a separate piece, and we'll we'll say that you've you, you've got a show this Sunday. Oh, bless you. Um, so yeah, so uh, uh, um, he's always uh, um, a crowd pleaser, but he, he holds the record for getting the most standing ovations at the comedy store. Oh really? Uh, oh, he, he, he's just bonkers, absolutely bonkers. Um, and he does this bit where um, uh, he turns his back on the audience. Uh, and and, he, and so he, he faces the wall, um, and the, a, a different voice in his head starts telling the gags. <laughs> uh, and he did that as a one-off. Um, uh, and Eddie Izzard was in the audience, um, and Eddie Izzard said to him, "You need to elaborate on that and do that more. That's really good." And now it's, it's the main part of his act. Um, and there is not many acts in this country where other comedians will stop. And watch. Right. And if you were to ask a hundred comedians who who is their favourite comedian and who is the hardest person to follow, they will say Terry. Really? Yeah. That's fantastic. Exactly. How, how did that? So you, you you go on and join the police service. Did you did you carry on your your comedian stuff and you know doing well, your comedy? Well, no. So. Um, uh, I'm massively, you've probably seen, I'm massively into running. Um, oh, yeah. I don't know why I fit all this stuff in, to be honest. No, I don't. Uh, um, and not just, not just running. I just want to qualify that. It's not just running, is it? It's <laughs> ultra marathons through deserts. I mean, yeah. I, 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 I'm knackered just looking at your Facebook feed. I, um, before we did this um, uh, chat, I was doing one this morning with. Um, some race organisers. Uh, I'm doing a, um, hopefully, um, a project in Namibia, in Africa, in November. Um, it's 160 miles, I think, um, across the Namibian desert. But it's the the, the temperature is. Um, um, I'm old school, so I work in hundreds. Um, it's about 115, 120 degrees. Oh my god! Um, so yeah, over five days. So. Um, <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so that, that I mean that's sort of one of the ha- bits how I got into policing. Um, I used to run for Benfleet Running Club, um, uh, and I used to run and and train with a girl called Kirsty Snellgrove. Yes, I remember Kirsty. Yes, I do. Bless yeah. her. Yeah, bless her. Um, and uh, I told her that I'd always shown an interest in doing policing. Ironically, when I was. Um, uh, working in London, I decided to go to an open day at New Scotland Yard. Um, and um, I went to this recruitment day and halfway through the recruitment day, uh, there was a bomb scare and we had to evacuate the building. Um, and I never went back. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I, I, I told um, Kirsty about my idea about joining the police and I was bored of doing um, uh, the leisure industry. Um, and she sort of... Um, got me involved before I knew it, I, I joined. Um, uh, but this is, how bad is this though? So at the time, Essex police weren't recruiting. So um, 
I, I, I applied to BTP. So I rang them up and said, yeah, I want to join the Elville. So they said, okay, well, we'll send you an, an application pack. So it came in the post. And I, I spent ages filling it out, you know, with all these long-winded questions. Um, took me weeks and weeks and weeks to fill it all out. Sent it back. Letter in the post. Dear Mr. Jackets, thank you for your application. And this is their favourite strap line. Due to the high number of applications, it will be, I don't know, eight weeks before you hear from us again. And that was it. Three weeks later, this massive great big package came in the post. Oh, is it? I opened it up. It's my joining instructions. <laughs> no. No. <laughs> and I'm thinking, no. So I got on the blower and I said, uh, hello, I said, the name's Gary Jackets. Um, I've applied to join. I, said, I think you made a bit of a faux pas, a bit of a mistake here. So why is that, sir? Um, well, I, I've filled out the application form, um, and that's it. I've not done any, um, I've done nothing else. That is it. Um, hold on a minute. She's gone away. She's gone ages. She, no, it's definitely right. No, I can assure you it's not. Right? I should have just turned up, shouldn't I? Yeah. Um, <laughs> How funny is that? And, and so she went away, and she came back. She went, oh, I'm so sorry, dear. That's not for you, is it? <laughs> it's, someone else sitting there getting the letter saying, no, you've got eight weeks to wait. It gets worse. So um, uh, so she spent ages apologising, and then um, about four weeks later, I got um, uh, a letter saying, congratulations, you've passed um, the initial paper sift. Um, but due to the high number of applicants... It'll be approximately eight weeks before you hear from us again. And um, then uh, I did a, a, some sort of mini telephone interview thing. And then um, I got a letter in the post saying, right, you've got to go to Coventry and do an assessment day. Sent me the train tickets. So went to Coventry, did the assessment day. That was it. Two weeks later, letter in the post. Dear Mr. Jackets, as you failed to attend the assessment no. day... No! I'm like, what do you mean? No, honestly, I was there. I was definitely there. I can assure you I was there. I can describe the building. I was there. She went away. It was the same woman. She went, hold on a minute, dear. And she came back. She went, oh, I'm so sorry. You did, didn't you? Oh, and I'm not supposed to tell you this over the phone, but you passed it. Oh, brilliant. Um, so uh, alarm bells are starting to ring you. So, um, uh, and then Essex Police... Um, opened the recruitment again, and I just transferred the, the stuff across to Essex right. Police. Um, uh, and, yeah, and, and then it all went tits up from there. And what year and was then, that? Sorry? What year was that? Uh, 2000 and, um, 2002. Um, yeah, I think it was 2002. And obviously I was a bit wary about... Um, uh, Obviously, you know, you have to be careful about what, what you do outside the job. Yeah. Um, uh, and, and so um, uh, I spoke to whoever, well, it's PSD, whoever it is, and I had to be a bit creative about how much involvement I had in the comedy. And I sort of took a bit of a backseat and other people did all the work and I just did the, I just booked the acts. Right. Um, and, and, you know, my diary, I've, I've got the phone numbers and email addresses of probably every act in the planet so don't lose it yeah um 
and, and this is another funny going back to Paul Bates. So I, I so I, all through my life, ever since then, I've I've known Paul and love him to death. Um, he only lives just down the road from his. He lives down the road from my kids. Um, and um, I was at training school at Chelmsford um, in uniform, and um, I was in the canteen. Uh, I'd only been there about I don't know a couple of weeks, I think, uh, and I've seen Batesy. Now Batesy doesn't know, as far as Batesy's concerned, I'm still a publican. And and uh, he's in the queue at the canteen with his little tray, and I've and I've literally shot up, got him, um, got a tray, pushed my way to the queue, stood right behind him, right up his backside, and just kicked his heels. <laughs> he's turned round. Honestly, you've never seen anyone shit themselves so much in their life. He's like, "What the fuck are you doing?" <laughs> well, because Basie's a Colchester boy, you can't believe that he actually went to Colchester Royal Grammar. So yeah, you know he lives he lives just down the road from my kids, and uh, I, I went on his boat last year. I think it was last year or the year before. He's him and his um, sister have got a yeah, same, nice yeah. little business. Yeah, seal yeah, watching, no. discovery, yeah, yeah. discovery seals they're called, aren't they? Yeah, 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 yeah. lovely. Captain Bates. Captain Bates. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I um. Uh, I, and what did I do in the policing world? I, I started off at Shoebury. Um, Jeff Appleby, that, was he there? Yeah, yeah, I loved oh, Jeff. He lovely. was brilliant. He was my governor. Um, uh, and I've stayed in touch with a few people that are still there. Ian Hughes. Yeah. Um, he's doing well for himself now. He was my sergeant. Um, and, yeah, now I had some good fun at Shoebury. Yeah. Really good. Yeah, I, I was in a band with Jeff, so he's um, he's just such a – he's one of the last gentlemen. He really is. Yeah, yeah. Why did you conclude your service early? What was what was the motivator? I, I'm I'm a bit of an entrepreneur. Um, I just wanted my own business. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I, I say I'd done everything in the pub game from unblocking toilets to running multi-million pound businesses. Um, and I just you know I made a lot of money for a lot of other for people. A lot you know? of other people, yeah. Uh, I've probably run, I don't know, four of the most successful restaurants, pubs in in Essex. Uh, but you know, for for other people, yeah. Um, I had the opportunity to um, take on a couple of pubs, um, and one of them I turned into an absolute monster, um, a, a colossal machine. So much so it affected my. I wouldn't say my mental health, it didn't do me any favours. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was literally, you know, you think policing's long hours, you know, you're oh. running a pub and a restaurant. It, it, it's, it, it's, even when you're not there, you're there. Yeah, of course um, you are. The hospitality uh, world is brutal. Yeah. So yeah, I, I really enjoyed it. Um, COVID probably did me a favour, to be quite honest. Um, so I took the pubs on in... I remember when it was now, um, five years ago, six years ago. One of them was in a little village in Hertfordshire called Walken, um, a sleepy, lovely little village. Um, I had um, um, a pub and a Chinese restaurant that was a pub. Um, we took on the pub. Um, it had um, a, a garden the size of three football pitches. Um, I bought the land behind um the pub and made it six football pitches 
Um, and then we built this giant inflatable dome that held 300 people. And this little sleepy um, village pub went from being a sleepy village pub. Um, we held um, a wait for a Met police officer in the back garden, and we estimated there was 800 people there. My word. Uh, we had 1,500 in for um, <laughs> World Cup matches. Um, I had a rock concert. Um, you name it, we did it. Outdoor cinema. Um, one of the locals said to me, he said, uh, build it and they will come. And he said, I, I hate you. He said, uh, my wallet is empty and my waistline has grown. Um, once a year, we used to put on this music festival called Magnafest, um, and the police had to come and do crowd control in the car, in the streets because the roads were blocked. I turned it into an absolute monster. Um, but at the end of it, I was physically and mentally exhausted. Yeah. Um, uh, and, and then COVID came along, and um, yeah, uh, for, uh, yeah, honestly, so... The whole village used to come to the pub on a Friday after work, uh, and it was in um, although it was uh, only five or six miles from Stevenage, it was in the middle of nowhere. A lot of farmers, um, agricultural people lived in the village. Um, you'd have eight tractors in the car park at five o'clock on a Friday. Um, the whole village used to come to the pub. It was rammed. Boris Johnson came on TV at five o'clock and said he didn't say I'm shutting pubs. He just said I recommend you don't go to a pub. I went from having 150 people in the bar at five o'clock to having four people in there at five past. Mm-hmm. Um, literally. Um, yeah, business was buggered. Um, a brewery didn't want it to buy them back off me. Um, so so um, I said, thank you very much. It took a while for the sale to go through. So um, every week uh, we were hemorrhaging money because although we had a government bailout, we still had to pay um, uh, gas, electricity, water. Still had to, uh, the staff were furloughed, but I still had to pay their pensions, their national insurance. So every week I'm going £200, £300, £200, and, you know, uh, with nothing coming in. No. Um, obviously, comedy shut overnight. Um, nearly every comedian you spoke to became an Uber driver. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, so I thought, right, okay, what do I do? So I went and got a temp job um, in Hearts Police um, for six months. He's still there, um, and that was three and a half years ago. <laughs> how, many no, hours, I, I, how many hours? How many hours do you have to do? Um, I was doing full time, but um, I've got to say, I, I, I'm struggling to say anything negative about them. Um, and yeah, no, I work there now full time permanently, um, and yeah. I've still got the house in Cyprus, um, but I couldn't even go there. Um, uh, Northern Cyprus shut their borders, um, and, and that's why they only had about 20, I think they had 20 deaths in the whole island. No one was allowed in, no one was allowed out. Well, never. Um, so, yeah, um, uh, and that was it. And then slowly, slowly, the comedy world started again. Um, it, was, it, it wasn't the same, um, and... Yeah, it's it's getting back to the normal now, um, but people are, are different. They tend to not book for shows a long way in advance. They leave it to the last minute. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. We noticed that with and live music. I mean, to be honest with you, it's 
whilst I'm still doing the band, um, it was almost a death knell of, of live music for a lot of bands because we don't put a great deal of effort into getting new gigs. I mean, it, it does, uh, it is one of those things. But you've got a number of very famous friends, haven't you? I mean, you've, you've, you've named a few already, but uh, who's up there on the A-list? I mean, who's, who, who would you say, if I picked up the phone now, Paul, I could phone X in the, in the British comedy world? Oh, dear, dear. I mean, some of them are, are, are names that, most people haven't heard haven't heard of them. My favourites, the one that stands out to me, and and what and there's very few people that I'll, I'll play to go and see. And one of them is a guy called Daniel Kitson, um, who a lot of people haven't heard. No, of. No, I haven't heard of. Um, no, nah, but I mean, if you go and see a Daniel Kitson show, I guarantee you'll see half a dozen comedians in the audience. Right. Um, uh, he doesn't do TV. He doesn't do interviews, but he's just amazing. Uh, it just blows my mind. But uh, people that ones that people heard of, I mean, Mickey Flanagan, um, you know, he was our resident compere, um, along with Ross Noble. Really? For, 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 yeah, yeah, for many years. Um, and I just see them as, especially Mickey, as, as normal, everyday blokes. Yeah. You know, how, how you see him on stage is how he is in, um, in, in, in real life. He doesn't forget his roots. I know if I was to bump into him tomorrow, he, the first thing he'd say to me is, um, he, he, well, he'd take the mickey out of the old bill. Yeah. Um, and, and then he'll, he'll ask me how my kids are and, and, and how's the running going. Fantastic. You know? um, he, he's just a, a, a normal guy. And what he's achieved oh. from where he started is phenomenal. Yeah, it is, um, absolutely. Yeah, I went and saw his show last month and it's still hilarious. Oh, he, he's funny. And you think he's playing to... Tens of thousands of people, isn't he? I mean, he really he bangs out the the house. Yeah. Oh yeah, because he was playing down down your way, wasn't he? He, he was. Yeah, he did, a, he did a couple of shows. Um, he always comes to South End. Yeah, I mean, I mean that out out gag that he's doing. Oh, I mean he was, but he's been doing that gag. That's that's fifteen twenty years old. You know, uh, he 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 was, he was he did that in Churchill's and at my place fifteen twenty years ago. But that's. That's the Max Miller in him. If you if you go, yeah. you know. Now here's a funny thing. You've got all those. You Larry Grayson shut that door. It's still it stayed with them for their entire life. So out out. It's just going to be. That will be a, a strap line for him forever and ever. Amen. Yeah, I, it's just funny though because I, I don't I don't shout about my comedy stuff when I'm at work in my day job, and I sit there sometimes and. Uh, People always go on about comedy, and, and I'm sure if I uh, and they they throw all these names around, and I'm going, yeah, yeah, I, I know, yeah, I know, I saw him yesterday, yeah. and they wouldn't believe me. <laughs> and uh, someone, uh, and uh, yeah, it, it's it's quite funny sometimes. And uh, or I'll, I'll get a phone call at work um, from someone from the comedy world, and uh, someone walked past me the other day, and it, um, I can't remember who it was. I think it might have been Bobby Davro. I can't remember. But that I was on the phone to uh, FaceTime to one of them. I can't remember who it was. Anyway, yes, it was someone from the and uh, someone walked past me on my phone and went, "Is that what the fuck? Are you <laughs> <laughs> oh, that is so cool. That is so cool. And they, but like you say, they're all human beings. They all have to get up and use a lure in the middle of the night. And it's yeah. um, is there anyone you wish you'd have seen? You know that you never got the opportunity. A comedian. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I've managed to see um, 
Dealer was on my hit list. Um, Billy Connolly, um, I got to see him. Um, one of the best nights. I, 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 honestly, I, I just wish you could feel more of these random things I've seen. Was um, it was a Jewish charity night, and it was Bob Monkhouse, Bruce Forsyth, and Jeremy Beadle. Wow! All on stage together absolutely shit-faced and they would and and they were trying to carry bruce forsyth off stage and he just wouldn't go honestly it, it was one of the funniest things i've ever seen and and going back to uh, bob monkhouse an absolute genius oh yeah uh just such a funny and nice man mm. um people are i wish i had seen um Oh, I'm going back a long while now. Um, oh, my brain's gone dead. I've forgotten his goddamn name. Um, Frankie Howard. Yes. Um, I, I missed him by about a week. He was playing at the Palestere in South End. Um, oh, God, who else? Um, oh, there's, a, there's, there's a few names. Tommy um, Cooper's the one for me. I, I wish I'd have seen Tommy Cooper live. Yeah, again, yes. Yeah, definitely. Um but the, I've just I've been very lucky to see some random people who who agents. So you you'll get an agent ring you up on four o'clock on a Thursday afternoon and say, uh, I've got so and so in England. Um, uh, he, he needs some stage time before he goes and does a big show in in the O2 or whatever. Can you give him twenty minutes? And I'm like, can I can I give him twenty minutes? you're gonna have the whole night <laughs> uh, oh but the only problem is um uh, your show doesn't finish till um 11 30 so i'll miss the last train back to london do you mind um driving him back to london um and i'm like so hold on a minute you want me to drive this um, american comedian who is an absolute demigod back to london do i mind uh, yeah of course I'll, I'll come and pick him up as well if you want <laughs> um uh, so yeah, I've seen some random, random people uh, in, in the, the club. Um, yeah, it's it's funny. I, when I was a, when I was a kid, my parents, um, Dickie Henderson, who was an old, okay. he was he was doing something down in Clacton, and um, my parents got to know him and his missus quite well, and um, I ended up meeting Arthur Askey of all people. Oh. And do you know Arthur Askey's first <laughs> professional gig was in Colchester? Well. But yeah, I mean it was I was only a little boy then, but um yeah, it was it's quite quite bizarre. Guys, no, just right. escaped me. Um, um look him up afterwards. His name is Patrice O'Neill. Patrice O'Neill. Yeah. Um I, love I had um uh I can't remember what car I had, but it was really small. But Patrice was about thirty stone. Wow. Um a massive comedian in America. And if I tell an English comedian I had Patrice O'Neill in my car, they're like, you had what? Um, so I had to take him back to London. I don't know if I had... I, at one stage, I did have a smart car. I don't think we was in the smart car. <laughs> but it was, whatever it was, he struggled to get in there. Um, Comedy he came itself. to South End. Uh, he did one joke. It was a 20-minute gag about um, disabled... Um, um, it was the Olympics, and it was disabled animals doing the Olympics. It was one gag. It was absolutely hilarious. 
Um, uh, and another an, another one that uh, springs to mind. Uh, do you remember Tom O'Connor? Oh, I've, 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 so I've seen Tom O'Connor. And here's my story about Tom O'Connor. When my dad was on his CID course up in Preston in 1970-whatever, Tom O'Connor came in to do the closing night on the CID course up in Preston. He was a school, right. he was a school teacher then. Yeah, well, um, uh, from doing my um, crazy runs across the world, um, I did one in America in 2014, um, and I met, I met this... Um, uh, I ran around with a group of English people, and one of them was um, a young lady whose daughter was the daughter of Tom O'Connor. Oh, wow. Um, and I'm still friends with her now. She's now um, in a relationship with uh, one of my best mates who was also in that race. We've become friends ever since, and we do races all around the world now. I, I got introduced to Tom. Uh, we, we, I, went, I met him for lunch one day. I've never laughed so much in my life, bearing in mind he's now in his... The 80s. I think he's gone, um, isn't he? Is he part? Did he? Has he not passed? He away? Yeah, passed away last year. But yeah. he's, uh, um, he had um, Alzheimer's. Oh right. Um, uh, his last ever performance on stage was for me. He came and did my club. Really? Yeah, uh, uh, and, and it was just hilarious. Um, but we went for lunch, and I've never laughed so much in all my life. Um, uh, the stories he was telling me, and the people he's met oh. and knows. Um, he was friends with um, uh, Norman Wisdom, oh. uh, and, and he was telling me about when uh, uh, I'm not sure if it's Isle of Man. It's one of the islands where where Norman Wisdom lived. Yes, he was. lived in a care, yeah. he lived in a care home. Right, um, uh, and he had this uh, big Rolls Royce, um, and he had the freedom of whatever island it was. Uh, and one of the things he was allowed to do was drive. I don't know. He, some of their really old laws. Um, but he, he used to um, just cause absolute chaos around the island, driving his 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 Rolls Royce. Um, so yeah, so uh, Tom McConnor, Tom McConnor, lovely man and very very talented and very funny. Isn't one of his sons married to a famous athlete? Yes. Yeah. I can't remember which one it is, but yeah. No. Uh, one of yeah. one of our one of our famous athletes um, is married yeah. to. Yeah, yeah. She'll, she'll kill me when I um, I tell her I've forgotten. But yeah, you're right. But it's, you know, these these are um, comedy royalty to yeah. us. The problem is this in this day and age, and I sound like my dad now, you and I were brought up with your Norman Wisdoms, your Max Bygraves, and then you moved into Steptoe and Son and all the, all the comedy programmes. There are so many channels now on the television that I miss half these things. I don't get to see the the comedy stuff. I love Lee Mack. I think he's absolutely brilliant, the stuff that he, he does. Um, but you have to really look for some of these things. Yeah. Yeah, like, um, um, me and the missus, we watch um, um, oh, the, pro- the program, the quiz show that Lee Mack's on now, uh, 100 to 1. Is yeah, 100 to 1? I don't know. Yeah, and Lee Max the host. Um, um, uh, we applied to go on that, um, and we got through to the, the the TV show. It's airing next March. Oh right. Um, yeah, um, and so yeah, and Lee Mac was the host of that. But unfortunately for me, so my missus was actually on it. 
Um, but um, because the day of 105, 110 contestants, but only 100 actually go on the show. Right. And I was one of the bloody 10 that didn't. Oh, oh well, don't tell us the outcome. We'll look forward to seeing it. In the... <laughs> so I could have given him some right stick because I've at least done my club a few times. Brilliant. Now, but, how uh, often is the club on? Uh, last Friday of every month um, in, in the Chalkle Park rooms, which is in Chalkle Park. Um, I'm hoping you'll come down and see us one day. I will absolutely come down. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. No, yeah. I'll, I'll absolutely and, come uh, down. I've tried to give it up a few times, um, but uh, I, I did once, um, and some of my regulars, some some of the punters have been coming for 25, 30 years. Um, they basically said, you can't give up. <laughs> you can't. So we're not allowing it. Carry on going. Okay. Brilliant. Brilliant. Oh, yeah, but it pays for all my races around the world. Um, it's, it's not a cheap hobby. Um, and I've got two in, or one in America this year and one in, as I said earlier, in Namibia. So something's got to pay for them. So, but, you've all, but you're always looking for sponsorship as well, I would assume? Yeah, yeah, always, uh, always help, help, helps. Um, I quite often do the races for charity as well. Um, I support um, um, an illness, um, a company that, raise money for a thing called Duchenne's, yes, which is a form of muscular dystrophy. Yes, um, my my friend's um, son has got that, uh, and he's raised millions trying to find a cure because it's an incurable disease. Right. So yeah, keeps yeah. me off the streets. Well, uh, what we'll do is we'll put all your social media bits in here for uh, Chalkwell rooms and for your running, etc. Um, it's, it's funny though, isn't it? Because um, I get sometimes I get not jealous but envious. I see people of my age or even younger than me who have um, joined the police at a yearly age and um, are now 50, 52, 53, retiring with their big pension pot. Um, uh, um, and there's me still busting my balls at 59. Yeah. Um, uh, but when I speak to policemen, they all say the opposite go, oh no, we're jealous of what you've done. And, and, I, and I make you right. Do you know, I. I retired at 51 and, and I've been retired seven years, seven years this December. Um, if I knew then what I know now, I don't know that I'd have done, I'd have done the 30 years. It was different because I, the, the pension was different, et cetera, et cetera. I enjoy working for myself, but I have got that cushion of, you know, I've got the cushion of my pension, but I am envious of you because Whilst I do this and I do my TV bits and all the other stuff that I do, I'd love to get up and tell a joke, yeah. my own joke, not one that. But then nobody would laugh at my own joke, so it's a real. But I am envious of, of people like you because you've got the foresight and the courage to go and do what you want to do. Yeah. I I didn't yeah. have that. I, I was I joined at twenty one. By the time I'd done 15 years, I was 36, I had a couple of kids, I had a huge mortgage, all the detritus that goes with life in general, and I was then stuck for the next 15 years. So, yeah, I, I do get it. The police isn't the job that you joined or that I joined. That's that's one, no, one thing no. I will say. Yeah, I mean, I've done 15 years in total, and um, I, I've seen a phenomenal change in those 15 years, so I dread to think how much has oh. changed for you. Yeah, he's, and I, like I say, I sound like my dad sometimes because I just think that it's um, sometimes it's lions led by donkeys, but um, they're not all donkeys, by the way, at the top. Some are very, very nice and very competent people, but they're hamstrung by governments and everything else that go, go along with that. Yeah, 
What was the highlight before we conclude? What was the highlight of your policing service, though? The highlight? Um, oh, I had a really, I, I was quite lucky um, in that, um, although I started in uniform pretty quickly, I ended up being um, in the world of detectives and CID and whatever. Uh, and I was involved in a, a project for oh, called Blarney, 15 months, I think it was, where it, 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 it was a covert job. Right, yeah. Um, yeah in, in, in South End. Uh, and I got to work with some great people. Um, yeah, I'm sure you'll know some of them, Simon Doveston. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and, and some other interesting characters. Yeah. Uh, uh, and, and it was a it, it was a real eye opener for me, uh, and I, I never realised that what we were doing and things like that even existed. Um, and and oh, I, I can't well I don't know if I get in trouble for going into too much of it, but yeah, oh, yeah. Um, it it was interesting. It was bloody hard work. Um, we had um, a robbery squad and a burglary team, um, and I made some great friends from from, from doing that in South End, um, and I don't think that teams like that exist anymore not in the same um, way yeah we had some so, great results uh, and I, I, i've got some amazing stories i could tell but yeah no i loved it i, I really did and yeah. i know i still keep in touch with them now um ironically a lot of them have uh, sadly have left and they all had about the same amount of service as me um they've all gone and done other things i think it's really sad that the police have lost such talented people i agree it's become but it's become a transit camp for people now it's not. Yeah. It's it, it. Just go in, get it on the CV, move on. Um, yeah. And the sociability's gone. I mean, Southend had the best bar in the county. You know, yeah. always I played gigs there. It was absolutely superb. But because that's all gone now. Yeah. But that's the old bar upstairs. Yeah, absolutely. And they had that borough mentality down at Southend, even up until recently. I think a lot of them did. But as I say, the, there's. There's not the stability within the police service because of the way that politics works. So, Gary, you are opening the Comedy Bunker at the Cobham Hotel. Now, what is that all about and who have you got as your first act? Right, so it's a very nice little quaint uh, uh, basement venue in, in uh, Westcliff near Southend. And um, it's going to be used for um, preview shows for acts to try out new material, um, practice gags, it holds 60 people and it launches Sunday week, December the 17th. Um, uh, and we've got a chap called Marcus Bergman. Britain's got, got talent. Yeah, got through to the semi-final. Um, amazing comedian. A lot of his stuff is around his um, his health. Um, he's had three strokes. He's only, he's about my age, only late 50s, I think. Wow. Yeah, kill me if, he's kill me if he's younger than that. Yeah. <laughs> He's had three strokes over the last few years, and a lot of his material is about that. Uh, very funny man, uh, and he's bringing his um, his best bits from his latest tour to the venue. Fantastic! And that's at, and that's at the uh, Cobham Hotel Sunday the seventeenth at seven o'clock. Um, Brilliant! Yeah. Be there or be somewhere else. And tickets available? Yeah, uh, I think there's ten left. Um, Superb. Yeah, well, and, I, I, I look forward to seeing that grow as well. Yeah, uh, you can find all about it at thejokercomedyclub.com. Mate, before we go any further, I've got to ask you this question. You've got anything you'd like to add, alter or correct in relation to the statement that you've made today? 
No, I don't think so. I'm going to have to sign it away. <laughs> um, I would like to uh, wish you all the very best for 2024, mate. And um, I hope that you, the club goes from strength to strength and that you get everything that you deserve. But yeah, take cool. care of yourself. Thank you very much. Good to see you. Good to see you too.